Today's episode is brought to you by Breakthrough the Noise, the new book by Tim Staples, co-founder and CEO of Shareability. In his book, Tim reveals his secret sauce for how to capture the attention of millions of people online without spending millions of dollars. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Aaron Weike. He is the CEO of GatherUp, a review and customer feedback platform. And that's what we're going to talk about today is getting reviews, customer experience, feedback, all that good stuff that we need to do to understand who our buyers are and what we do. That's unique. So Aaron, thanks for joining me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on, John. So let's just talk some basics. I mean, I assume everybody knows what reviews are. Um, those things that Google and Facebook and uh, things, you know, people have been leaving for years, but now they're on these digital platforms. So how? let's talk about how important they are that we kind of take over or at least participate in that process. Yeah, two really big high-level signals that that I look at and, and put a lot of trust in um, is one – just what you see when you do a search at Google itself. And that eye test is whether I'm looking for a product or a hotel or a service who's going to take care of my lawn. Almost all of those results nowadays in some way, shape, form or another are accompanied by review stars. So we definitely see a very strong signal from the biggest window into the web through Google that reputation really matters and they are bringing it to the conversation right in that search result, um, you know, very, very high and very visible for a user to interact with. And then the, the second is just around a lot of studies in the last handful of years that show overwhelmingly, you know, to the tune of like uh, 85% or more that um, we trust on reviews as much as we trust talking to humans that we know. Um, so when you kind of combine those things of a very high trust level and it's very visible and Google doesn't do things by accident, um, I, I think that's a, a very, very large signal to any any small business that your reputation is, is tied to how you're viewed in the world. So there's certain industries, you know, nail salons, restaurants, hotels. I mean, you're, you're under three stars and you're just, you're done because people really count on those for those. But would you say that that has now kind of permeated out to just about every industry? Absolutely. Um, no one is void of reputation being part of that decision. And the, the, the best way I summarize this is we have every option available to us when we do a search now, right? So even when you get into a very obscure business or service provider, you still might have three or five choices that you can look into. And Time is such a huge commodity. We're not going to call or fill out a contact form on all of them. So as a consumer, we're looking to make the most informed decision and reach out to one. And so when you look at that, you know, brand and reputation is often one of those big de, you know, factors in what do other people have to say about working with this business? Are they reputable and trustworthy? Because I've never used them before. Um, and are they worth me putting a call into or giving up my email address or filling out a contact form? So do you think that consumers uh, understand the difference between what we might call first party and third party reviews. So in other words, you go to a website and they've got all these glowing reviews on their website, but then there's Google who is aggregating these theoretically in a you know sort of impartial way. Uh, do you think consumers understand the difference between those? 
Oh, I, th- I think they do a little bit, but what I think is even more important to the consumer is, is there, is there depth and is there information and are, are there answers in those reviews? And I think that's much more of a deciding factor um, because if it's helpful to the consumer, I think they start to look at less what's the source, how's it's organized, what's the rating scale and everything else. But if they're able to get answers to their questions and be able to identify with what they're reading and have that aha moment where they're like, oh yeah, that's me, the way this person is describing this or their experience with it, I think that's what's most important um, to them. So I think when you do a good job of bringing that type of content to the table, they really don't care how it was acquired or, or what went on with it. They're they're just happy that they have the answers that they need to move forward. Okay, so on Google's five-point or five-star scale, is there a perfect aggregate score that, that you should be aiming for? And, and here's the <laughs> genesis of my question. I mean, you see these ones, like, uh, you know, a plumber, and I'm not picking on plumbers, but um, 147 reviews, all five-star. You know, do we believe that? Yeah, I, I definitely think um, small business owners and marketers, we fall victim to the perception of perfect um, and as a, a longtime uh, SEO industry friend of mine, Matt McGee, once said, we don't live in a five-star world. And I think it's important for businesses as well. Uh, one study I cite a lot um, when I give talks is uh, Northwestern and Power Reviews did a study, and they actually found that 4.2 to 4.5 was the most trusted. And that showed that you know, you're doing a great job, but you're also not perfect. Because just as you noted, when you see this large quantity of reviews and everyone has had this perfect experience, there is a part of you that says that that seems a little bit too good uh, to be true. So I think authenticity is a really big part of it. And I tell people all the time, don't obsess on being perfect. Um, definitely focus on being great consistently over and over again. Yeah, and I think because we all know people that you could give them a $100 bill and they'd give you a three-star review. You know, I mean, so <laughs> there's just, you know, some people just won't give anything five stars. So uh, I yep. agree with that. Do you think that business owners, uh, small business owners should get proactive? I mean, be asking every one of their customers for a review or does that somehow taint it? Uh, I think more important than that is you should be asking and understanding what your customer thinks. Um, I, I get that Google reviews are so visible. Um, I, I call them right there. They're like sprinkles on the donut. They're what attract you to the window and get you to look up close and have you thinking about it. Um, but I look at whatever your customer thinks about their experience with your business, how it went. That's more important. So whether they tell Google Facebook, TripAdvisor, or where they tell you directly, you need to know what they think. And absolutely, you need to be proactive with that because we're all inundated with so many things to do and things we forget and whatever else. If you're not taking control and taking the time to ask that customer and make it really easy for them to give you feedback and talk to you, um, then you are falling short in what you can do to understand that and ultimately turn it into marketing power for you. Yeah, and I'm going to give you a little tip here behind the scenes secret of something that I, that I do. So we work with a lot of small business owners. And one of the first things we want to do is match their message to their market. Um, and guess what? One of the best sources of information about what their message really should be or, or what their unique difference is. A lot of times if somebody has uh, a lot of glowing reviews from, you know, not just like five stars and done, but like they wrote a paragraph about them. Nine times out of 10, uh, phrases and themes will come out of those reviews that really do suggest, 
here's what this business does that's unique, or here's the problem this business really solves. And a lot of times we'll build marketing campaigns around the content from their reviews. Yep, that's absolutely perfect. And I would take it a step further. I often tell people, do that research on your customer or your competitors' reviews as well, right? Where are they driving these amazing experiences? And are you giving that same type of experience or are you falling short? You need to change something. So you're right. Re- reviews are a goldmine for what really makes a customer happy. And you need to make sure that you're marketing and telling that story so that others desire to come have that same experience. So I've worked with businesses over the years that have claimed, hey, it, and, and we know they have happy customers, they have repeat customers, they have advocates, they can't get them to write reviews. Is, is there something that actually tips somebody over the edge so that they'll make that effort? Uh, service all day long to me is, is really the big one. We even see it within our, our own business that they you know like our software and they might write nice things about our software, but the minute that we are asking for feedback or review after one of our support teams helps somebody solve something or guides them in a direction, the the response rate on that is through the roof. So for a lot of businesses, I always look at like, what is that aha moment when you're serving a customer that you can see they're really happy, you've solved the problem, you've relieved pressure, you've given that solution. That's when you want to be prompting them or letting them know how important a a review is, or even them talking to you about the experiences, um, because they're in that euphoria of what took place. So that's what I usually look to analyze with the business. And that's the time you need to be asking and secondarily, you just you have to make it easy for them, right? Time, time is our biggest commodity. So if you can't make it happen in a couple of easy clicks and in a really short interaction, you know, you're, you're going to lose out. We, we all get these surveys in our inbox, right? You fly on an airline and they ask you to take a survey and you get 30 questions in and, and you now you, you liked that brand. And now you're like, I really don't like you. You've just stolen time from me within my day. Just to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Breakthrough the Noise, the new book by Tim Staples. If you're a marketer, an entrepreneur, or a small business owner, and you have a limited budget to market to and connect with your customers, you need Breakthrough the Noise. Tim Staples shares the nine essential rules for mastering the art of online storytelling and provides tools to help you outsmart the social media algorithms, increase your share of voice, and build your brand. Breakthrough the Noise by Tim Staples is on sale now wherever books are sold. Is there, um, is there a proper moment in the customer experience to ask for reviews, feedbacks? And again, I know there's no like one answer to that, but um, yeah. you know, should the salespeople, the technicians, the marketing people, I mean, should everybody be doing it or is there a sort of proper sequence in your opinion? Yeah, well, I think you hit upon what's probably most important and that it's a human on your team asking, right? If And even if you use an automated solution like ours, but that team member says, hey, just so you know, within the next day, you're going to get an email asking for some quick feedback and to write a review, like that's building a relationship and saying like, hey, I provided you with great service. Will you repay that favor by giving us a review or giving us feedback on, on our business? And we see that when that human ask is coupled with you know, timing as close to the service as possible so that they haven't forgotten about it or missed details with it or, or anything else. Like that's really the, the winning combination is that human ask as close to that uh, service or experience. Now, I know this will vary by lots of industries, but is there sort of a globally accepted 
kind of impact rating for you know star reviews. So in other words, you know, for every half a point, and again, I'm I'm just defaulting to Google because they have such an easy scale. But like going from three point five to four point two, you know, d- does that have like a measurable sort of percentage of impact of sales? Yeah. The the one study that I know is probably quite old now um, was from Yelp that they basically equated like a half star rating into what it would be for revenue um, within a restaurant. And I can't off the top of my head remember those numbers, but that that's the last really, you know, data driven study that that I've seen on that. Um we tend to look at it a lot of times because we capture, you know, this is a whole nother topic, but we capture net promoter score, which basically helps a business understand how likely that customer is to refer you. We just see a super strong correlation between those that are happy and willing to refer you are also willing to give that digital referral and and write that review. So we see it inside of that. And I, I think if you over time, looked at businesses that have a high NPS and a high rating, you're going to see them succeeding in their profit and loss and, and their sales much more than anyone else. Well, and I know anecdotally, I mean, when I'm traveling and I'm looking, you know, for a place to eat because I don't have a recommendation, I mean, there's certainly judgments I make about, you know, if it's under four or something, you know, I'm probably going to look elsewhere. So, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think a lot of people probably uh, kind of uh, operate in that same sort of vein. Um, yep. Do you think that there are demonstratively demographic trends to this? So, in other words, is a 30-year-old only relying on reviews where maybe a 60-year-old is going to be asking somebody, you know, you know, via email or text or something? Um, have you seen any – and those are just wild examples. But have you seen any correlation yep. – uh, demographically to the use of reviews and the reliance on reviews? Yeah, what we have seen more is that evening out a lot more. Uh, with no surprise, right, when you have all this information right in the palm of your hand in your smartphone, I think that's really increased the, the access and the amount of people wanting to rely on those things. Now, I think what we see more of happening is Yes, uh, a younger consumer anywhere from, you know, 18 all the way up to, you know, 35 or even that next jump of, you know, 44, 45, they use it, you know, almost exclusively where then when you trend into some of the olders, it's going to it's going to balance out in some of the upper age brackets where reviews are part of that consideration, but they still want some human referral and maybe a few other sources to go along with it where the younger you scale down like if I see it on the review site and I feel good about it, I'm good. I don't need to ask any personal recommendations or, or anything else. Let's talk about the topic nobody wants to address. What percentage of reviews do you think are just blatant spam? <laughs> I don't know if I could give you a number, but I can tell you too high, too high of a number. Um, that this, this is definitely a, a critical thing facing the 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 industry as an overall right like google has really jumped um you know leaps and bounds multiples above how many reviews any other review site has Uh, but in doing so anytime you go all in on quantity uh quality suffers and they have you know very little and there's been a lot more coming to the surface on 
fake reviews, bot reviews, all of these different combinations of, of spam reviews. Um, and we're hoping and working in this industry and we want its authenticity to, to play out and have longevity that something needs needs to be done there. And then you even have on the other side, Yelp, which is very polarizing for small businesses. Um, they have something in place, right? But they also, it's so secretive to how they filter out reviews and things like that, that that also causes distrust. So we actually have both sides of the coin right now. We have somebody who's, you know, paying so much attention and trying to make sure that only the best reviews from trustworthy people and whatever else are the ones that are showing, but they go so far to extreme that people don't trust how they're surfacing the results. And then on the other side, we have somebody who it's such an open floodgate with so little being done that when you start digging into a lot of things, that can cause a lot of, a lot of distrust. So um, it, it's definitely probably at least at a, a five, 10%, maybe even more mark, which I think is just a shame considering the firepower that these companies have to actually institute some pretty basic things or just be more transparent on what they are doing with it. I loved your qualifiers in there. You said definitely, probably, maybe at least 5%, <laughs> I think is what you said. So, uh, you know, not to pick on them too much because everybody else has, but, you know, Yelp sort of brought some of that on themselves, um, I think, in terms of, of marrying the selling of advertising with um, a review process. So a more cynical person than I might suggest that uh, that uh, there are some things that are not so right there. But I know you, you have to be nice. You have to play nice because you don't want to mad at you. Um, so let's talk about responding to reviews. What's your take on that? Every review respond to what's what's your take? So my personal take is, especially for a small business, absolutely do that um, for for a couple of different reasons. One, for the next customer that's researching and looking to do business with you, it sends a strong signal that you're listening, you pay attention, and you care to respond to your customers. So it makes them envision how they're going to be treated with you respectfully, that you're going to listen to their needs, both you know, online and off. Um, and it's a really good trust signal. Uh, secondarily, when you do this through most platforms, it's going to email and alert that customer that you've responded. So it's another customer touch point. You're thanking them for taking the time to write that review. Um, all, all great things and maximize those touch points with your customers and let everyone see that you're interactive with your customer base. Now, that grows exponentially when it's a critical or, or a bad review. You want to first respond to that customer and try to save that relationship. Let them know you're listening. You know, own, own the problem. Nobody wants to hear, well, we are short-staffed, the basement flooded, you know, yada, yada, yada. All they want to know is that if they ever came back again, they wouldn't have this same poor experience and that you care, you're doing something to solve it, and you're, you're, you're owning it. After that, you also, you know, at solving it for that person, you want to make sure that those next customers also see like, yeah, they're not perfect, but if something does go wrong, they listen, they're reasonable, they're respectful, and they try to make it right. And at the end of the day, that's what most consumers want is that confidence that if something does go wrong, they will be treated well and the business will try to make it right with them. Yeah, I have, uh, you know, obviously business owners get emotional about a negative review, particularly, well, that customer was unreasonable, but, you know, they, they just want to fire off, you know, the response to that person. And I always tell them, 
write your response not to that person. Write your response to the public because that's who's going to see it. Um, and, yeah. I, and I think that's a good way to approach it. But it's also, you know, it's it's hey, they you know they're saying bad things about my business. You know, how dare they? So it's it's hard to take the emotion out of those, isn't it? It totally is. I, I always tell people because I do this for myself. I put myself in an emotional timeout when that comes in, um, and step away from the keyboard, let the emotion wear off, reread it for the facts that are there on what went wrong. The wait was too long, the food was cold, and expectation wasn't met, whatever that is. Um, And then, yeah, great point, you know, write it that way. I always tell people, write it and then read it out loud, right? And what does it sound like when you read it out loud to yourself or to someone else? Um, And I also tell people, it's not the emergency situation you feel like it is. Because when you get a bad review, you suddenly think the entire world is reading that one-star review that's out there, and that's not the case. You're better off taking time to compose the right type of response, editing it multiple times, getting other people to weigh in on it, and two days later posting the right response than you are rushing, being emotional, saying the wrong thing, and causing even you know more things to go wrong than what already went wrong with that review. So I think we can all agree the social proof aspect of reviews. I mean, I go there, I look them up, and they've got 25 reviews, and they all seem really good. What, in your opinion, is the, um, is the SEO value of reviews? Yeah, I think really big value because uh, just as you pointed out, um, there's kind of this content goldmine in there, especially when you're providing a great experience and service and that customer is going to write about it. And they're writing from, you know, in marketing, right? It's always uh, right from the persona of your customer. And to me, the big win here is this is persona generated content. So let's say I'm planning a, a trip for my family. I have four kids going to Disney World. I'm on TripAdvisor reading reviews on a hotel. Well, the minute I see someone else talk about that they have, you know, four or five kids, the, the same boatload that I have, um, and I start looking into how they spent their time and what they did and did the place they stay have all the amenities they want, I start to identify with that. I have met my equal persona. Um, And I just think that's so important for a business to understand that we all write great things about ourselves in our copy, how we're the best and the greatest and an awesome staff and all these other things. Um, But reviewers, I think they speak the language of the average consumer because they're not trying to sell something. They're just sharing what their experience was. And I think that's such a win when the consumer can consume that. Um, And on the flip side for Google, when they see that, that consumer is likely using keywords about the business, locations about the business, the types of terms a searcher is going to type in as well. And you're bringing all this additional content to a page that you wrote 300 words about your business. Well, if you bring in 30 words or 30 reviews about it, you might double the, the amount of content that's talking about your service product or your business. Aaron, we could talk all day about this, but uh, we're going <laughs> to wrap it up and uh, tell people where uh, they can go to find out more about GatherUp and the various services that you offer small business owners. Absolutely. If you visit gatherup.com, um, you can get a you know very detailed look at, at what we do, what our feature set is, case studies of businesses that we've worked with. Our blog is very active. We share a lot of knowledge uh, from the reputation and, and review space. And we always invite uh, you to come in and be able to, to learn from all of that. Awesome. Well, thanks for dropping by, Aaron. And uh, hopefully we'll run into you someday soon out there on the road. Appreciate it, John. Thank you. 